Thank you for joining us on Facebook Live. Whatever platform you're joining us on, it could be our YouTube channel at Dominion Church SC, or perhaps you're listening through the Dominion Church podcast experience. The point is you're here with us, and that really means the world to us. Do me a favor, if this blesses you, what you're about to hear, please like it and share it so that other people can be blessed by it as well. I also want to encourage you, come and be a part of one of our corporate gatherings. Uh, We meet here at Dominion Church at 4.30 on Sundays. That's just what we have to work with right now. We'd love for you to come, be a part of our praise and worship, receive ministry. Uh, That is definitely our heart, and we want to make sure that you're blessed. Uh, So I just want to share my heart for a few minutes today. Um, I, I, myself, my family, we just got back from vacation and much needed vacation and we needed it. Uh, We really did. Actually, I I told my wife on more than one occasion, I said, I didn't realize how much we needed it until we were in it. And then all of a sudden, you you know, you you could feel some of the weight lifting, you could feel some of the stress lifting. You know, we told our kids uh, multiple times, the biggest decision we wanna make is, are we gonna swim at the beach or swim in the pool? Or what are we gonna eat for dinner? That's about all that we wanted to decide. Uh, Because 2020, for ministers in particular, and I'm not ruling out anyone, but I'm speaking from my own experience, ministers in particular, we have had decision uh, anxiety, decision exhaustion, Uh, John Matthews ministered here for our first Sunday in November. And I love what he said. He said there are ministers in 2020 that had to make decisions that ministers haven't made in the last century. You know, literally deciding, do we keep church open or close it because of sickness? You know, my dad who pastored minister for 40 years never had to make that kind of a decision, right? Uh, or, Or how long can we, how long will it be? You know, for us, it was two months before we had in-person gatherings again. I have friends right now that haven't had in-person gatherings since March, haven't had one yet. Can you imagine, right? And they're doing what they have to do. They're adapting, but it has just been a different world in 2020. And so again, the point I'm making that that need was there and I didn't know how much I needed it. Uh, And so I'll give you guys this hint. I'm just visiting for a minute. Uh, Hopefully somebody will be ministered to by this on our platforms. But I was resisting the urge to work. For some of you guys, maybe that's a foreign concept. But even on vacation, I began to resist the urge to work. And so I was thinking, okay, well, you know, this is closing out, so I need to start preparing for what's next. Uh, We've got to do some filming for some upcoming meetings. And so I reached out to one of my friends that's helping me with filming. Hey, what, what dates are we looking at next week? And so I began to start thinking of ways to work. And then it's like the Holy Spirit reminded me, no, you don't get to do that. That's not going to happen this week. So full disclosure, what I'm going to share with you tonight, and if you're, if you're streaming this through video, you can see I don't have my laptop up here. It's because there are no notes. I'm just going to share from my heart because I didn't prepare for today. Because the Holy Spirit told me, you don't get to do that this week. So we got back home late yesterday, and we walked into today, and I just want to share my heart for a few minutes with you guys. Is that okay? So what, what has been on my heart lately is uh, about being able to question God, being able to question God. And, uh, you know, growing up, there were times where the implication was you shouldn't be so quick to question God. You just need to trust him. Or there was this negative connotation to questioning God. Oh, well, you just don't do that. 
You, you know, why, why do you have the need to question God? Why are you so weak in your faith? Right? But I've begun to find that that is not at all the heart of God. God actually loves and invites our questions like any good, good father would. Because if God is turned off by our questions, then he can't be a good father. And, and again, I want to sample from my own experience. My kids, any of my kids, if they come to me with a question, I want to do whatever is in my power to help to answer that question. Some of them are serious. Right now, for their ages, the bulk of them are not. Right? I mean, I, we, we were at the beach this last week, and you know, one of my daughters is asking, why does, the, why does the wave stop there? You know, I could have been like, you know what, get away with me with these dumb questions. No, that's not what a father does. We want to find out. And so the first thing you do is, you know, the default answer, well, that's just how the Lord did it. And then hopefully that'll satisfy most kids. And a lot of times it doesn't. My kids especially, they want to know the real deal. So then we have to do some research. Well, this is how it works. And this is, how, uh, you know, uh, and, and it could be, you know, why do birds fly this way? Why, why do they like to eat bread? Why do, why do crabs live in shells? You know, just, and question after question after question. And dads and moms, we want to help them to, to pursue their curiosities, the Father is the exact same way. A God who cannot be questioned is not God. Okay? Why? Because God is secure in his identity. So you can bring any question you want from the serious to the absurd. And God celebrates our curiosity as his kids. He celebrates our curiosity as his kids. You know, Jesus told his disciples, he said, unless you come to me as, as a child, then you can't, you can't receive the kingdom of God. You, you've got to come to me with childlike mind, childlike faith. I love the, the way that Randall Worley says it. He says it this way. Uh, he calls it, come to me with a beginning mind. That's, that's what it means, childlike. So what are children? Children... Uh, in, in, there are, of course, many things, but in, in the mind of a child, it's a beginner's mind. So that's why all the questions, that's why the need, like a sponge, to absorb in experiences and information and creative outlets. As somewhere in our journey, we, we start losing the beginner's mind. Now, I want to say in the natural sense, at some point, you should begin to master certain things. That's what maturity does. But when it comes to who God is, this is the encouragement. Come to me with a beginner's mind at all times. In other words, if you have a question about anything, just ask me. Don't gain so much confidence in what you think you believe about me that you dismiss the mystery of who God is as your father. So God can handle it. God can handle our questions. And I feel like part of the negative con connotation on questioning is we think it immediately feeds into doubt. Why do we always feel like questioning leads to doubt? What if questioning simply leads to we want to learn, right? Uh, it's very interesting. If we go back and you study some of the fathers of the faith, I think a lot of us would be blown away by things that they believed and questioned that today many of us would find very offensive. Why would they even question such a thing? Especially the patristic fathers, these guys were walking around. They were questioning hell. Is it literal? They were questioning the goodness. of. They were questioning, uh, can, can all, does, does all truly mean all people are saved? That, they, that all are saved? 
These are questions they asked because their relationship with God was not based on will he receive me or reject me based on my curiosity. They came into the presence of the Lord with a beginner's mind. And I want to encourage you guys, when it comes to questioning anything, go ahead, make the question known, ask the questions. Come to God with a beginner's mind. And a beginner's mind, I am convinced, is a mind full of faith. Again, not faith in the confidence of what we believe we know about God, but faith in the mystery of who God is. Because something else we need to make sure we come to terms with when we're talking along this line of thought, I said it here earlier before we started our streaming, um, if we try to define God, and I can also use that word certainty, so, so many of us want to be so certain about everything that God does and everything that God is. I've got news for you, those watching and those here. You will never gain certainty about all things there is to know about who God is. And I can't apologize for that. Because as soon as you're certain about all things that God is, he's no longer God. You're never going to get that certainty. But what you can do is you can be confident in the mystery that's what trust is. See, this is what we've turned trust into. Well, I know God will do this, so I trust him. That's not actually what trust looks like. Trust is, I'm not exactly sure what God will do, but I trust him. I'm not sure God will intervene in this scenario, but I trust the mystery. So we talk about core pillars uh, of, of what we believe here at Dominion. We try to keep it as simple as possible. We are loved and God is good. Th that's a, that is as big of a pillar I am confident to fashion. I'm loved, God is good. Everything else can go into the realm of mystery and I will still be satisfied. J just as your pastor, that's where I stand. You know, again, one of my dear mentors, he used to say it this way. I have to be given the freedom to say I don't know and you to be okay with that. And can I say this? If you can extend that grace to a leader, extend it to your good father as well. Now, God will never say he doesn't know, but he might say something like this. It's not for you to know. You ever had God not answer a question? Here's a question for you. Did he not answer because he doesn't know the answer? No, of course not. He didn't answer because mystery is what was needed in that moment for you. Not clarity, mystery. So we've got to even redefine how we cultivate faith in our lives. Faith is not about certainty. It's about mystery. It's about trusting him. So, I mean, there, there are a couple of things that come to mind. You know, we think about love, for example, so we hear that word love, and our mind, this is how our minds work. We try to define what love is. And we've got to be careful because what we define can oftentimes become confinement. We want it to look neat. We want it to fit into a box. And you guys have heard me teach on this so many times, it's not even funny. You know, 1 John 4, 7 and 8, we find out in no uncertain terms, love is not a feeling God has. Love is not just something God does. First John 4 says God is love. God is love. And so a lot of times, 
you know, we, we think, of, we talk about, maybe you guys have heard this, maybe you've said this, God, just get me back to my first love. You guys remember that? You ever said that? Lord, I just want to get back to my first love. And this is usually what we mean. Get me back to the place where I first got saved. That's usually what we're, what we're, we're thinking about. But God being love in your life goes back far beyond the day you got saved. If you really want to get technical, first love, you go all the way back to Genesis 1. That's first love right there. In the beginning, God created. Listen, the, the, the language of love is creation. Let me, let me say that again. The language of love is creation. We can see it uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a, the biological sense. When a man and woman come together, the language of their love is creation, right? The, the woman becomes pregnant and then a child is born. It's also the same in, in the animal kingdom. It's the same in the plant kingdom. Plants aren't necessarily loving each other, but they come together and their act of togetherness creates. You guys okay? God's the same way. The language of love is creation. So I, I want to challenge you. Maybe you've never done this before. When you're thanking God for how much he loves you, go back and thank him for this, that you exist. <laughs> That's God showing you that he loves you because you're, you, you, you're alive, right? Right? And then John takes it to a whole different level. You guys remember, so Genesis 1, this is more of a narrative of the natural created order. John takes it to a whole different level. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And nothing that is made would have been made except by him. A lot of great theologians, they say it this way, John is the true beginning. John 1 is the true beginning. Genesis 1 is the natural, uh, the natural manifestation of the true beginning. So again, what do we see in that language? We see the loving God on full display, speaking the language of creation. When God fashions a form out of the dust of the earth, go back and read Genesis. I know for some of you guys this will be a challenge, but it's good stuff. Go back and read Genesis. Man and woman were created before that form was fashioned in the sand. Go read your Bibles. It says that he created male and female, he created them. You turn your page, and then we're told that he makes a form. So where were man and woman? Already created, already existing in God. And then he breathes into a form. He breathe, I believe he breathes the word Adam, and Adam occupies a space that we call a body. And his soul and spirit energized that dust and turned it into a living creature named Adam. That is what love looks like. Love is the language of creation. It can manifest in lots of different ways, but that is ultimately what love looks like. It creates. And you can think about that in lots of different ways for how that works personally for each one of us. If you truly love someone, you start creating for them. Come on, you start creating a space for them. You start creating a space where they can excel in their callings, their anointings. Their... I think spiritual fathers, if they really want to show the people that claim this as a father, hey, this is what it looks like to be one of my kids. I'm going to create space for you to grow and mature and realize who you are. I want to create opportunities for you. Hear that word create. I want to create... 
I want to create opportunities for you to bless people, for you to use your gifts instead of, you know, serve me and bless me. You know, I, I love that God in his heart as a father never asked us as kids to provide for him. And that's something. Because fathers always provide for their kids. Let me, let me mention this in terms of love, language. This is the only thing I've got on my notes. It's actually a Facebook post. Um, there's a hymn called The Love of God is Greater Far. For some of you guys, the old school, old time, maybe you've sang that hymn before. But I love, there's this, there's this part in there that is so beautiful uh, that I wanted to share it. And this is what it says. Could we with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill? And every man a scribe by trade. To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Isn't that beautiful? That's, again, that's part of the hymn called The Love of God is Greater Far. What's interesting about these, word, these words I just read, read to you, these were found, written, inside of a cell at a mental institution. It's the first time it was discovered. And we don't know who the, the patient was that was there. But suffering in a mental institution wrote these words on the wall of their cell. And someone found them and put them, incorporated them into this hymn. Again, the language of love is creative. We try to define love and how God can love and, and how he chooses to relate to certain people. But guys, listen, we have no idea what we're even talking about. Because just as soon as you're convinced this is what God's love looks like, it grows ten times further that direction, this direction, upwards and downwards. And you begin to find, no, he's chasing after all the unlovables while he's chasing after you who consider yourself lovable. He's chasing after all the unlovables too. He's revealing himself. But what he would love to do is include us in that revelation. What, what do I mean? He wants to use us as his family to bring a revelation of his love. But as long as we're trying to be confident in what we believe about God instead of the mystery of who God is, we're going to fall short every time. When we can begin to truly believe the love of God is just as available to the, to the, the man you know, strung out on heroin as it is to the woman who has her act together and has an international ministry, that God's love, in terms of the love of God, there is no difference in the, the extent he's willing to go to show that he's a good father. I, I think another thing, just, just wrapping this up now, I'm, I'm almost done. Uh, when we talk about defining, we got to be careful not to confine because we think about who God is. We just talked about love. Like I was thinking about God as healer. Because my dad, he's, he's going through some stuff right now. A lot of you are. A lot of, a lot of people are. And we're, we want to, we're making a demand on God as healer. But if we're not careful, we try to define what it means for God to be our healer. You guys okay? Does God want to heal us? Does he, does he want to see healing manifest in our bodies? 100%. Absolutely. I believe that. But what if he doesn't? 
does that mean he's no longer healer? Now, see, based on how we define, if you're not careful, that's how we define it. But God brings healing on multiple levels. He brings healing in places we don't know how to pray for. You know, like remember when I was mentioning that creation is the language of love? How God first created Adam, he waited till the last to create his body. And you guys, guess what? What was the first thing of Adam's to go? Was his body. You know where Adam is right now? With the Lord. In the heart of the Father. Right now. So how do we define healing? Is it God only meeting our physical needs? Or is it more than that? I believe it's more. How much more? I can't answer that question because that's not where my confidence is. My confidence is in he's a good father and that I'm loved and I know that I can trust him. I can trust him with my mind. I can trust him with my health. I can trust him with my decisions. Even, and I'm not saying this is a license just to make terrible decisions, even bad decisions that God is with us in our detours. You know, we, we tend to have this picture of thinking, well, he has a plan and purpose for us all, and as long as I stay in his plan and purpose, he's on my side. Um, he's with you in the detours too. Right there. I mean, how else do you think you're going to get back on track? You think your work is going to get you back on track? No, it's going to be his grace, his mercy, his love, his patience, his kindness that's going to lead us back to repentance and back on track. I mean, his, his, his promise is true. I will never leave you or forsake you. So I, I don't even know how to, how to close this out. Again, just sharing some things from my heart. I want to encourage you. You know, 2020 has been full of a lot of questions. And I want you to hear the voice of your father saying, go ahead and ask. Go ahead. I'm not offended by a single question. I'm not offended by your doubt. I'm not offended by your turmoil. Bring it to me. I feel like a lot of times, because we have an inaccurate representation of God that we've built in our own imagination, that we disqualify ourselves from visitation that God desperately wants to have with us. You know, one of the things that is one of the reasons I love David so much, uh, King David, is even when he would fail at his most, he still would bring it into the presence of the Lord. I don't know what it is about our experience that we feel like, well, I let God down so he doesn't want to talk to me. That is, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Don't, don't be that. Don't be that guy. God wants you to bring your whole mess to him. He wants you to bring every doubt, every insecurity, every fear. Bring it to him. He can handle it, and he wants it. I, I, if I can even be so bold as to say, he wants you to bring that to him. And you know what? Have some time sorted out together. Is that okay? <laughs> so bring the questions to him. Come to God with childlike faith. And again, I love that thought. Come to him with a beginner's mind. You know, you know even with myself, there are times where I just remind myself, you know what? You feel like you got, you, you're, you act like you got this figured out. You know, you need to go to God with a beginner's mind. Go to him like you can learn something. Doesn't that sound so proud and arrogant that you even have to remind yourself of that? 
Because I promise you, each one, everyone watching, everyone listening, and everyone in this room, we all have so much to learn. Even though we're so completely confident we know it all. But can you hear me? If Jesus can tell his disciples, come to me with childlike faith, he can certainly tell us the same thing. And he does. Come to me with a beginner's mind. Come to me ready to learn things about your father that, let's be honest, if you really knew the truth, it might be highly offensive to everything you ever thought you believed about him. That's, that's part of what we did. I want to encourage you. I, I believe it's on, if it's not on Facebook, uh, we might have to go back through and reteach some of those. I did a whole series called Whatever Happened in the New Creation, and we challenge all these belief systems about who God is. I think it was like 16 weeks we took on it. There's another series we did called Redemption, Revealing the True Nature of God, and we began to find out, like you guys remember when Abraham, when he actually found out God doesn't want to take from him. That was a huge revelation for him. But look at what he believed. He believed God did want to take from him until God showed his heart on display and Abraham realized, wow, he's not a taker, he's a giver. So if Father Abraham can find out something that significant about who God is and he believed something totally the opposite, can we be open to also having some improper views and maybe we've got some questions we need to start asking and don't be afraid to ask? I'll finish with this, with this thought. Uh, again, another quote, quote from Randall Worley. I've been listening to him a lot lately. I love this quote. He said, if there's anything that you're pursuing by way of truth that causes you to love God more, to love yourself more, and to love others more, it is the truth. It is the truth. And then he went on to say, and this can be pretty offensive, and we'll, we'll finish here on this one. He said, I would even submit, you can't love God any more than you love yourself. Because he said, the ability to love comes from him. So he said, don't tell me how much you love God if daily you don't love yourself. There's a disconnect. See, that kind of stuff right there, that'll challenge our belief system. To love God is also to be able to love who you are, to appreciate who you are. Why? Because your loving father does. Can you hear that right now in the spirit? Your loving father, he loves you, he appreciates you, and he values you. And can you imagine how heartbreaking it is for even though he's given all that to us, that we ignore it, we don't believe it. I want to challenge you. Part So much a part of having the mind of Christ is believing what God believes about you. You want to talk about a game changer? That is huge. Thank you guys for letting me share my heart for a couple minutes. I know that this has just been different, but I believe it's been good. I pray that it's blessed you. I'm going to finish now in prayer. And like I said, again, if this blessed you, like it and share it. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Lord, I just thank you for who you are. Lord, I thank you that you're a good father. These, these two absolutes that I, that I have right now, and I'm open to some more being added, but I'm comfortable with this, that I am loved, that you're good. Everything else I'm satisfied with being a mystery as long as I know those two things are certain. Lord, help us in our faith. Help us to mature in our faith. Maturing in our faith looks less like having all these things that we 100% are certain are true about you. And it looks more like believing and trusting your mystery that there are some things that it's okay simply not to know. Not to know what the answer will be. Not to know how it's all going to play out to know that we can trust you 
because you're good at always, always good. Lord, I thank you each one is blessed, those watching and listening to this. Lord, that as they are here at this place, we're all about to close out 2020. It's like I can hear a collective sigh of yes and amen. Perhaps a collective sigh of relief for what is yet to come. But Lord, when it's all said and done, I pray that we can look back over 2020 and we can still connect the dots of your goodness, still connect the dots of your faithfulness, still connect the dots that we are loved, that the things that matter most have not changed. Our understanding needs to continue to change. Those things have not changed. Lord, I just thank you for all these things. I pray them now in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen.